the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. <coughs> well, that was embarrassing. Was Holy that bad food you had last night? What the heck? I didn't mean that to go out over the airways. No, I don't know what that was. Huh? Some sort of what? I would call it a technological glitch. A digital glitch. mishmash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like... Like we know. That's, I'm just guessing. I'm making stuff up, people. I don't you know, know what in the old days, they go, oh, the wires got uh, crossed. The wires got crossed. But now we don't really know what it you is. You know, people don't use that term anymore because, of course, we don't have as many wires. Exactly. Now that it's, Or we're, we're like, wireless. Right. right. Can you say that, you know, my Bluetooth got crossed? No. Maybe there's uh, a glitch. Blue- a glitch. Is Bluetooth annoying to you guys? Um, in what way? Well, when depending on what the device is. If you can pair it to one thing and one thing only consistently, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. But if you have to change it out, like if you're using Spinning. a different phone with the Bluetooth in your car, you know, you have several family members who are using that, or with a with a Bluetooth speaker mm-hmm. or something, it is so annoying. Yeah. You're both looking at me like I'm not. No, 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 Did, no. Have you experienced this? No. In my car, I've got a Bluetooth thing, and as soon as you start the car, there's a woman's voice that goes. Bluetooth is now connected. And mm-hmm. I go, okay, I just want to turn her down. Because I, I know it is. She's just telling me. She's the, she's your helper. My God. She's confirming. Right. She is. I like to be confirmed, right? Yeah. I, I like have, confirmation. I have a little speaker that it, whenever I turn it on, and I, I'll turn it on at the lowest volume, and this Asian woman screams back at me, <laughs> Bluetooth mode. Nice. I call her my assistant because she's helping. Mm-hmm. I think it's good. Speaking of being But I don't at, understand why I can't turn her down. I, I, I wish I could because it's very, in, very loud. And you're already low. Right. Like I was on an airplane and I turned, you know, and oh, it's good. like, you know, I didn't, I didn't there, need everyone to hear this. There's nothing worse than being yelled at by some sort of alert, piece of electronic. Like help, this, this, uh, this makes me nuts. When you're a giant eagle and you go to the self-checkout. Oh, yeah. And then, you know. You're, you're bagging, oh, yeah. and and then there's like a momentary pause or whatever, or the, and the lady yells at you, put your items in the bagging area. Oh. You relax it. Oh man, right. I get like little, you know, little nutsoidal. Especially when you're trying to, you know, it's just based on weight, and so then you're trying to rearrange your stuff so she'll notice that right, you actually right. did put something in there. <laughs> exactly. And then you think, you know put what? Put the bagging this, area. This isn't a person. Jeez. Right? Why Sorry. am I so concerned about this? Forgive me. Okay, so I'm thinking about Bluetooth because I know that this is only the very, like, my toe in the pool of the technology that's waiting for me in the rest of my life. Yeah. Because I hear that scientists in Japan are doing something. Oh, right. Which is so far beyond Bluetooth technology, so far beyond finding a way for my phone to, like, connect with my 
car speakers. It's like a completely, you know, different type of technological advancement. <laughs> Can't wait to hear about this. Yeah, me too. <laughs> okay, here's the deal. Uh, this is uh, from yesterday's Relevant magazine. Thanks to new laws lifting restrictions on certain kinds of scientific research in Japan, scientists at the University of Tokyo will soon be able to begin new experiments with human-animal hybrids. The hope for researchers is that they can create animals that they are capable of growing human organs so they can be used for transplants and one day to save human lives. The work remains extremely controversial. No, really? Among bioethicists. Really? According to The Independent, human cells will be grown in rat and mouse embryos, <laughs> then brought the term in a surrogate animal. The lead scientist, Dr. Nagaguchi, says that his team plans on taking things slowly and told the Ashani Shimbun newspaper, quote, we don't expect to create human organs immediately, but this allows us to advance our research based upon the know-how that we have gained up to this point. That's just Frankenstein. With no regard for animal welfare. No regard for human animal welfare in that. Well, I, I mean, mean, that's not the only consideration, no. but that's the first one that pops to really? mind. No, yes, I mean, that's you, the first one that pops to mind. You think about how many animals right now that are being used in experiments, right? That's just... That's the nature of what it is. But it shouldn't be the nature of what it is. I mean, we can never just, be blind with that's just the way it is. Well, it's just, it's just, it goes on worldwide. We, we, I know. We, turn, we, we, we don't want to know about it. Right. We treat animals frivolously, whether it's for our food or for our medical advancement. No we treat that, animals yeah. frivolously. Yeah. The other thing that makes me think, though, is you know, the reason that we have artists in the world, whether they're poets or writers or visual artists or whatever, is they are our conscience, right? They teach us how to they can be. feel. They can warn us the things that are coming. Yes. And I don't want to elevate, you know, a lot of these films I'm about to bring up to the art level. But you think about a movie like Alien or you think about Terminator, which we talked about yesterday. Or you think about Mary Shelley's book, Frankenstein. The whole point of these works is to warn us about what happens when technology runs amok, runs amok and starts to rule humans, right? What happens when we lose our sense of moral boundary and we just sacrifice ourselves to technology? Right. Because we can, we should. Right. So what hap- we know what happened to Frankenstein, right? I mean, if you haven't read the book, you've seen a film or a play sure. or something, right? You get, you get it, right? We, we've seen Terminator, right? We, do we get the point? I mean, it's, just, it's hard to believe with all the warnings we've had that we still march in. But at the same time, say someone you know, that you loved needed a liver transplant, and this liver transplant came from cells grown inside yep. of a rat, then to a surrogate animal, and then eventually into the person you love's body. Right. I mean, I, I get that. I, I, I know what it's like to be in a hospital room or a doctor's office with someone who's terminally ill and wanting... Healing. Healing. Wanting some type of answer that's different than the one you're getting you know i i absolutely i've experienced that myself i know what that's like but there has to be a bigger view of it that tells us that something is wrong with what we're considering or even if there's even if maybe that's not the flag we get there's a flag that we say this could go to a dangerous place right because look, look what you know. There's around the world. There is a general scientific consensus that we won't go there. 
right? I mean, if the if the leading edge of technology is w- willing to break uh, societal and ethical boundaries, generally there's a break on that. I think it's agreed amongst yeah, so the, it, the not, medical community. So even if we can, we wouldn't. But there are more and more. Like, what well, was this, the Chinese recently, right, where they were making test tube babies um, you know, from just the basics of scratch, essentially, right? A brand new way of life. And th- that was that was booed down, although I'm sure that research is still going on. But the community guides itself for better or worse. Right. And, the, and that, I think that's the problem is the scientific community is good at science. They're supposed to be good at science. We want them to be good at science. Sure. Is that the same Saves community lives. of people that's going to be good at ethics? I mean, don't you need ethicists? Don't scientists need ethicists? Yes, we all because need we recognize a guiding that ethicists, hand. ethicists need scientists, right? And wouldn't ethicists need theologians? Yeah, I think that's one of the breakdowns of contemporary society since the Enlightenment is that we've become fragmented, and certainly in contemporary society, we value some types of knowledge of over other types of knowledge. It's, it, it's called scientism, which means that we've elevated science to right. a thing that was never meant to be. The it's, science trumps it's, God. It's a discipline. It's a type of knowledge. It's not the only type of knowledge. If you're interested in the subject, Ian Hutchinson's book, uh, Monopolizing Knowledge, is excellent on this. So, you know, Science is good at being science, but science doesn't substitute for history. Science doesn't substitute for theology. Science doesn't substitute for ethics or political science or whatever. Every There are all sorts of knowledge, and we should be trying to work together to accumulate a knowledge base. But we all want healing. We all want beauty. We all want right, the things that science brings us. Right, but science doesn't bring us beauty. Well, science brings you – when you look at – you know, I'm talking about – um, plastic surgery or, you know, mm, life-changing, right. life-healing yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. things. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, there's, yeah, there's, I guess you're right. I guess science does bring beauty. Sure science does. is beautiful. Yeah. And you're right. They're part, yeah, you're right. Science brings beauty. You're right, because healing's beautiful, right? So, you know, all those things were laid at the altar of medical research at one point, right? Uh, some of it, I'm sure, when you look at the Nazis and their experiments, in the most heinous levels. Mm-hmm. But... There it is. Don't you think there's something to be gained, though, from encouraging different disciplines to work together as opposed to working in silos? So when you when you see people who work in, and we, we see this from time to time in our research, they work in think tanks. I mean, there are medical ethics think tanks. Yes, thank goodness there people are, right? People whose lives you, are centered Okay, so that. you hope that the medical ethics think tanks are actually being consulted by the people who are doing research like this. That's my concern, right. is that is there communication between the two? Or is there money changing hand in their sponsorship, no, which no. allows a right. rubber stamp to go forward right. with the research right. and the morals? Well, you, forget- wait, you mean the naming rights on the animal-human <laughs> hybrids, like we were talking about with Heinz Field yesterday? Shenderovich and Shenderovich and Fishman <laughs> person. Uh, coming up on today's show, uh, we'll talk about Home Depot selling something that you might be surprised at. It's pathetic that we need it bulletproof backpacks but before we do that josh brown will be with us from belfield presbyterian church in oakland we'll talk about the nature and purpose of wisdom literature in scripture that's next 
101.5 WORD. Somebody is going to win a free cruise aboard Family Life's Love Like You Mean It Marriage Cruise, visiting the beautiful Caribbean, and it could be you. Just log on to our station website and use the keyword stronger. When you enter, you'll also receive their free ebook, Stronger Forever, that includes a personalized six-week plan to grow your marriage. Make your marriage stronger. Register now to win at wordfm.com slash stronger. Do you owe the IRS or state back taxes that you can't afford to pay? If so, listen carefully because you may qualify to have your debt dramatically reduced by up to 90%. You heard right. The IRS has made it easier than ever to settle delinquent tax problems through a federal program called the Fresh Start Initiative. Qualifying for this program may end any collection efforts against you, resolve your tax problem, and possibly reduce your back taxes by up to 90%. And all you have to do is make one phone call to Victory Tax Solutions. The IRS can garnish your bank account, pension, and savings. So don't wait. If you have unfiled tax returns or unpaid tax debt to the IRS or state, these special programs are available to you now. Stop your worrying and call the hotline at Victory Tax Solutions today to see if you qualify and potentially save thousands of dollars. For this free information, call 800-813-1105. Registrations for our annual Gold Summit have exploded. The live event is now sold out. Less than 200 streaming tickets remain. I'm Adam Barada, author of the national bestseller, Gold is a Better Way. You can join me for our annual Gold Summit titled The Great Devaluation. Learn why Donald Trump's attack on the Federal Reserve has sparked another gold boom. I'm certain you're going to see gold prices above $2,000 before the next election. I'm going to explain it all on August 14th. You've never seen anything like the coming bull market. Come to this event to find out why. Text the words Gold Summit to 49776 to get your free ticket. This event is for serious investors with over $100,000 in an IRA. If that's you, don't miss this opportunity to stream it live for free. Text the words Gold Summit to 49776. That's the words Gold Summit to 49776. You cannot afford to miss this event. Text the words Gold Summit to 49776. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our To Have and To Hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. One of the most beautiful things about Scripture is that the more you read it, the more you want to know. And it reveals itself, Scripture does, in seemingly beautiful slices, sometimes in heartbreaking ways, sometimes in glorious ways. Josh Brown is with us. Josh is the pastor at Belfield Presbyterian Church in the Oakland neighborhood, here to talk to us today about wisdom literature in Scripture. Josh, welcome back. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you today, Josh? Real good. Thanks for coming along. 
Hey, my pleasure, yeah. Yeah, Josh, one of the most fascinating things about the Bible to me is that there are different types of literature that are represented in it. So for people who aren't familiar with the Bible, and I'm sure there are a lot of people listening who aren't, um, we tend to think that maybe if we haven't read it, the Bible is just a bunch of stories about Jesus, or maybe all a bunch of um, like stern dictums from the Apostle <laughs> Paul, right? But, but, it's, but yeah. it's bigger than Ouch. that. It's a whole, diff- it's a whole range. It is, and that is one of the things that makes it so unique. It's it's right for us to speak of it as one book, because it is part of one grand overarching story that God has revealed to us, but it's important to recognize that it has a lot of different kinds of writing within it. And as you said, there, there are historical books uh, that we find in both the Old and New Testament. Those are ones that just give account of things that happened. Um, there are letters that we have between individuals, there are letters that we have to churches, there are prophetic books, there are songs, there are poems, and there's this genre that we call wisdom literature, which has its own kind of function within the larger, uh, within the larger work of Scripture. I see. So wisdom literature, um, to take a stab at it, just a, uh, it's wise sayings by good people. I think that's part of it, certainly, and if and if that's all that it was, then it's not necessarily distinct in the ancient world. Uh, that kind of a writing, that kind of a genre, was something that showed up a lot of places in ancient Egypt. There was a lot of wisdom literature in that way. Uh, people who had just gained some experiences through life, or some insights on the world, or who were very learned would comment on things. In the ancient Greek and Roman worlds, uh, the philosophers carried this kind of a role where they were giving people things to to help them understand their world. And so the biblical wisdom books, and, and I should say when we speak of that, we're speaking of books like Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, Job. These kind of books certainly carry those reflections from people saying, this is what I observe about the world, this is what I've learned. But it goes beyond just passing on uh, interesting trivia to you. So when we think about um, wisdom literature, if it's not trivia, um, is it is it like wisdom that, you know, has been implanted in a person? Is it wisdom that the writer has gained through experience? Uh, it, it's, it's sort of, I would say it's both of those things, along with some insights that, that the Lord has provided to them. So that is an important distinction, is that wisdom, uh, wisdom in general, but especially the wisdom literature that we're looking at in the Bible, is not just some divine data dump, where mm-hmm. you're just uh, meant to, there's certain facts or pieces of information that you're meant to carry with you, but it, it's saying, if these are the things that are true about God, and these are the things that are true about this world, and how do you apply them to a given situation? So that's really what it's meant to do. It's, it's meant to equip you to live in this world and say, if these are the things that are true about God, and these are the things that are true about this world, then, then what do I do in the various situations that I find myself in? How, how do I apply those things uh, to where I am and how I am in this world? I see. So if, if I was in the search for wisdom and I wanted to go to the Scriptures, are there, you know, are there books that are specific to wisdom literature that I could go right to and go, oh, I, I see wisdom, I experience wisdom from these writings? Uh, yeah, well, so on one hand, I think all of Scripture serves that function for us in helping us to understand how to be and to live in this world. So I don't want to say, I don't want to imply, rather, that the other parts of Scripture don't do that. Sure. And one of the beautiful things is that Jesus Christ himself is described as the very wisdom of God. So certainly we look to not only the words of Christ, but everything that the Bible teaches us about him when we're trying to say, what is, what is God's wisdom? So I want to just kind of offer that as a little caveat. It, it is a broad category. Yet when we speak of the wisdom books, uh, like I mentioned a moment ago, we're speaking of 
uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, and Job, really primarily in the Old Testament. Um, and when you look at those things, then it's, it's, I think sometimes when people say, as you raised the question there, John, well, what, what's wisdom? Like, what am I supposed to do in a given situation? A lot of times people approach Scripture either hoping or assuming that it's going to give them a, just a crystal clear-cut answer on, well, so which kind of car am I supposed to buy? Or you right, know, something, right. something like, yeah, what, you know, what am I supposed to do in this situation? And it doesn't do that, which I think is frustrating for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't provide a little algorithm that you just plug in, well, here's the situation I'm in, and it spits out a, an answer. But it is giving you that framework, um, as I suggested, of this is, this is what you need to know and remember about God, this is what you need to know and be able to honestly say is true about this world. This is what is honestly true about who we are as people. And given those things, then here's, here's how you apply that. Here's what that looks like. So wisdom is not just the information, but how do you, what do you do with that? How do you work that out then in your life? So, Josh, not to put you on the spot, but do you have a particular piece of Scripture that you can go, I, I point to very clearly and see the wisdom in the wisdom Scripture? The literature. Well, um, Proverbs is the book of Proverbs is great. I mean, you, because it, because it is just such a collection of really short, kind of pithy sayings. You you can almost just pick Proverbs up and open it up and just gain gain some kind of interesting insights and tidbits through there. Even if you just sit down and read it as a whole. Um, lately, I've been spending a little bit of time personally reading, and we've been doing a little study at, at here at Belfield on the book of Ecclesiastes, which is a very unique book. Uh, it, it may raise more questions than it answers, and it's a very sobering book um, because when you're talking about wisdom, it, it presents a very honest assessment of the world and saying, this is what it is. And I, that in and of itself is helpful. Um, you're not getting some, like, rose-colored glasses, kind of candy-coated. Yeah, everything's great. It says, yeah, life sometimes doesn't make sense. Sometimes life is really confusing. Sometimes here's how you feel when you're going through the world, and Acknowledging that right up front, I think, is incredibly helpful. On a personal note, Josh, Ecclesiastes has been very good for me to be reading lately because it's challenging me to think differently than our culture is teaching me to think. Because at least the, the life that I'm seeing online is kind of teaching all of us to tell each other what to do and to tell each other how to think. And this is how you should think, and this is what you're supposed to do. And if you don't think this way, then you're wrong and you're on the wrong side. I'm woke. Right. You're woke. Are you? <laughs> um, but Ecclesiastes is way different than that. And all of it, it's, it's encouraging me to be okay um, raising questions and just sitting in them without having to come up with the appropriate you know, culturally accepted answer right away. That, that's a big thing that uh, I think comes out of spending any kind of time in that book. And, and also just uh, it, it especially pushes hard against our cultural assumptions that uh, there's this one-to-one correlation between possessions and contentment. Um, I mean, that's everything that we're fed in, in every kind of advertising and everything. If, if you have this thing, if you have this uh, list on your resume, if you live in this address, if you have this kind of thing, that, that's what you need, and that's what will make you feel happy, and that's what will make you feel good. And Ecclesiastes, for a book that's a couple thousand years old, uh, says, no, the human heart has always been susceptible to those things. We've, we've always bought that lie. It's, it's much more slickly packaged now than it used to be. 
but we've always bought into that lie, and mm-hmm. that's not what it's about. Right. And you know, when you, I'm hearing you talk, Josh, and you think about the billions and billions of people who have walked this earth since those scriptures were laid down, and still we are just a bunch of foolish fools. Right, and, and that's, again, to, to come back to the book of Ecclesiastes as one of the great examples, uh, there's a refrain in that book, uh, I'm sure you, you have listeners who are very familiar with it have read it, uh, some translations will say striving after wind or chasing after wind, and it so often says, that's what that's what really life is like, and it, it's meant to say, not meant to say that it's entirely meaningless, but just to say that that's what it is like. You can, pursuing these things is like trying to grab a hologram. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe, maybe in, in more modern uh, imagery. Uh, you can't even do it. And even if somehow you think you could, you, you've got nothing of substance that you're holding on to in the end. And there's got to be something beyond that, because everything else is, is a mist. The word that it uses, a lot of times there is, sometimes some translations will say uh, vanity, everything mm-hmm. is vanity. Some will say everything is meaningless. It's a very vivid word in the original. It's more like the mist that you find when you wake up in the morning. You kind of see that little dew mist above the ground, and as soon as the sun hits it, it's gone. Uh, it's really that kind of an image. So it's, um, many people attribute this traditionally to Solomon. Um, some people will just call the person generally the teacher. Whoever it was uh, is saying that that's what it is. That's what I have learned, and I want to make sure we all can just name things for what they are. Mm-hmm. For those of us, Josh, who um, who want easy answers fast, um, <laughs> was, <laughs> Ecclesiastes isn't the book for us, right? No, it's not. It's not. I you know I was as I was talking about this recently, especially the first couple chapters, uh, if, if indeed, again, um, very likely it was Solomon who wrote this. If not, it was somebody who had uh, a lot of the experiences similar to his. The first couple chapters, chapter two is where he's listing all these things that he had. He talks about building houses and gardens and planting trees and, and owning all this different stuff. And I mean, you read that, and maybe some of the specific references are uh, out of outside of our context, but you understand what he's getting at. And then it just, it's just abrupt, this very abrupt, and that was, that was like that mist that he, he says. That was like that mist. And, it, you know, I suggested that reading that chapter is almost like watching one of those crash test dummy car videos. Like you see somebody just flying along, and then there's just this prolonged whiplash of a, somebody just <laughs> butts up hard against reality. And you think, oh, yeah, that's not real, it's not real fun. That's not real pretty. And it's not meant to just be a downer. It's really not meant to be discouraging. As you read through the book, and certainly you read through it in the larger context of Scripture, it's trying to give us an honest way of looking at the world so that we can see, well, there's got to be somewhere else that I look in order to find meaning, in order to find identity, in order to find security, real security, purpose, joy. Uh, it's not going to be in the places where I'm typically prone to look. Mm. Pastor Josh Brown talking about the nature and the purpose of wisdom literature in Scripture. Josh is from Belfield Presbyterian Church in the Oakland neighborhood. Hey, Josh, before you leave us, tell us about Belfield. We are uh, in the Oakland part of Pittsburgh, as you said, and so we have the privilege of being near to a number of different university contexts. Uh, it's a great opportunity to work with students and faculty, and uh, that's a really unique setting, but uh, it's a great place. We've got families and people of all ages and, and all different sorts of folks who come in through this area, so it makes a makes for a really uh, great place that way to try to work out some of these ideas and, and be able to look at some of these questions together. What, what does it look like for me to go out into this world, and how can I live in ways that honor the Lord and reflect Christ and uh, 
seek him and his ways above all else. So, uh, yeah, Kathy, like you said, they're not easy questions with quick answers, but they're ones that I think are worth asking. Very nice. Well, Josh, thank you. Always a pleasure. Thanks for your knowledge and for your wisdom as you join us here on the air. Thanks, guys. Hope you have a good day today. You as well. Pastor Josh Brown, Belfield Presbyterian Church in Oakland. For a satisfying career helping people with disabilities, consider Life Steps, who's served Western Pennsylvania since 1923 and offers 100% paid health, dental, and vision premiums for full-time employees. All shifts available. Make a difference and call Life Steps today at 724-283-1010 or visit lifesteps.net. That's lifesteps.net to check out available positions. Life Steps is an equal opportunity employer. Providence Presbyterian Church, Washington Alliance Church, Bethlehem Lutheran Church, St. John the Baptist Church, Impact Christian Church, The Bible Chapel. What do all these churches from various denominations have in common? Nello Construction, design and build with one company. Nello Construction, full service construction from the ground up. Renovation, expansion, Nello Construction. The choice for churches. See the projects. Begin the journey at NelloConstruction.com. You know social media can grow your business. What you need is a social media strategy. August 6th, the Pittsburgh North Regional Chamber presents the 2019 Social Media Marketing Conference from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. Gain expert insights from Salem Surround, Yelp, and other local pros to help develop your social media goals, protect and advance your brand. Plus, hear little-known tips and tricks that will make you a social media master at LaRoche University's Appala College Center, Babcock Boulevard. Reserve now at wordfm.com slash conference. This is the Entertainment Answer. Actor Milo Ventimiglia explains the concept behind his new film, The Art of Racing in the Rain. When Denny talks about driving in the rain, if he creates the circumstance that he's in, then he can control it because rain is an unknown factor. If you're fighting against it, then it's going to win. But if you're using it to create your own conditions you can control the outcome. The Art of Racing in the Rain, rated PG. For this entertainment answer, I'm Matt Mungle. Hey, Mike, how's the house coming along? (sighs) Needs a ton of work. The pipes are leaking. Needs a new roof. The AC just broke. I just don't have time to do it all myself. You know anyone? Oh, just ask HomeAdvisor. They match you with the best local pros for any home project. Cool. Yeah, you can read reviews and book appointments online. What's it cost? Actually, HomeAdvisor is always free to use. Nice. I'll check it out. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app. HomeAdvisor. When it comes to protecting your pets from chasing cars, trust the certified professionals at Invisible Fence of Pittsburgh. Backed by a lifetime limited warranty and one-year money-back guarantee, you'll be confident your pets are safe and secure. Learn more at InvisibleFence.com. That's InvisibleFence.com. I love the joy that children bring to the office. Good dental habits begin early with Dr. Megan Stock. I like creating those good, positive first experiences. My mommy is a really good dentist, and she'll take good care of you. Visit StockFamilyDentistry.com. You have my word on it. John, did you stop that? I don't know what the story. Must have been that hoagie. I'm telling lunch. you, it's like you watched that uh, that new episode of Comedians in Cars where 
Jerry and Sebastian are eating those giant corned beef sandwiches, and you got inspired. <laughs> oh. That's sick. That's I like too it. much food for a person. That was gigantic. That's way too much food for a person, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. They ate a lot of food. Do you like corned beef sandwich? No. What? Mm-mm. You don't like corned beef? No. You don't like a Rachel or a uh-uh. Reuben? I really don't. What? A Rachel isn't oh. corned beef. A Rachel's oh, turkey. Oh, right. It's turkey, yeah. A yeah. Reuben. Mm-hmm. You don't like a Reuben? Not really. It's one of my favorite things of all time. Is I it love really? it. I, oh, boy. I'm, yeah. If you're like in the search for like the perfect Reuben, I'm, I always love a Reuben. Mike. You like a Reuben? I love a Reuben. Oh, yeah. Marbled rye, a little sauerkraut on that Egg. corned oh, beef. Extra, huh? extra yeah. sauerkraut. Maybe some mustard on that, baby. What's the oh, uh, sauce good. that usually comes on it? Thousand, Thousand Island. Island. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's very nice as well. I love that. Can, mm, I got to just, I know that I'm letting people down, especially people that have German roots here in Pittsburgh, but I just am not a sauerkraut fan. What? No, wow. I'm not. I love sauerkraut. I wish I could change me, but I can't. And What's the deal? I am. Too what? Too soury for you. Sauerkraut. It makes me feel a little sick. <laughs> It makes you sick? And I think it's the smell of it. Really? I just don't like the smell of it. Oh. See, I, I, when I come home and it's on the uh, you know the, the oven, I go, mm, that's nice. You mean on the stove? The stove. It's like, <laughs> yeah. whatever. That, just, that hot thing in the corner. <laughs> the thing that cooks food. <laughs> yeah. I don't like the it oven. either. But, what? Yeah, I don't like What sour- is wrong with you guys? However, I love Permini Brothers sauerkraut. Well, that's sauerkraut, though. Or that's that's or, coleslaw. Um, I'm sorry. That's oh. coleslaw. It's not sauerkraut. Oh, that's Yellow. A, yeah. That's sorry. what I'm saying. I'm thinking of something. No, no, no. Coleslaw, no, no. sauerkraut. Would you stop it? That's an important point because I love coleslaw. Oh, yeah. I love coleslaw, but I don't like... So I like cabbage raw. I just, not cooked. Once you cook it, it <laughs> I messes love the smell it up. of it. It messes it up. Raw cabbage. No. Is there anything else like that you like raw that you don't want to have cooked? You know, like... Blueberries. What? Who's like cooking blueberries? You don't like blueberry pancakes? Blueberry pancakes are good, are delicious, in fact. Mm-hmm. Blueberry pie, though? It's a bit much. It's, it's over much. the top. Yeah, it is. It's a, a, little, a little sliver. Blueberry muffin? Oh, I love a blueberry muffin. It's yeah, delicious. Yeah, sure. But if I, if I could pick, I'd definitely go with a raw blueberry. That's, it, that's the best thing. Had some in my cereal this morning. Good. Don't you ha- aren't oh, you love, happier because you did that? Whenever I have something like that, so good. I feel like extra special. Yes. Like, oh my gosh. Oh, I get to do this? C- what kind of cereal did you put that in? My little, uh, you know. Oh, don't say Fruit Loops? No, no, Fruit Loops. You know, um, the biscuit things. Oh, your little shredded, shredded wheat? wheat. <laughs> <laughs> the biscuit things. The oven with the biscuit. Your little old man cereal. <laughs> What is that? I like that's, it. That's okay. I, uh, I mixed I, up sauerkraut and coleslaw. Yeah. So. It's the same vegetable, Mike. It's fine. I like uh, the uh, shredded whatever. Shredded wheat. <laughs> Do you put sugar on that? No. So no. it's just shredded wheat and blueberries yeah. and milk. Yeah. It's very, very good. Wait, it can, really is. Can we go back to the Rachel? What's on the Rachel? Okay. So the Rachel oh, turkey. is it, in, instead of corned beef, you get turkey. Mm. Okay. And instead of sauerkraut, you get coleslaw. Okay. No, Everything good. else is the that same. Sounds pretty good. You're still with coleslaw. the marbled rye. You're still with the Thousand Island dressing. You're still with the Swiss cheese. What do you want I'm a okay coleslaw? You want coleslaw on your in your sandwich? Because yeah. coleslaw is That's so. D- I would put coleslaw on every sandwich of my whole life. What? If I had coleslaw, coleslaw and chipped ham. Yes. Coleslaw and chipped ham. Awesome. That's not good. That would be awesome. Now Chick Fil A doesn't have coleslaw anymore, but when they did, it was pretty good. Did they? Why don't yeah. they have what Was it anymore? a vinegary coleslaw? It was. A, it was. Mm-hmm. A very, it was a very creamy coleslaw. Okay, here's the thing, though. I like the creamy and the vinegary. Oh, me too. I find, I'm Happy. glad we have both. Whenever you go to like a diner, don't you want to get the coleslaw? Yes. Just to see what it's like. You know yeah. who has the very, my very favorite coleslaw of all time? My wife. Your wife makes very good coleslaw. Well, now I feel badly. Now I'm not going to pick It's okay. She makes it in the oven. Thanks. <laughs> uh, the Spring House. Oh, Marsha. Oh. The Spring House. And I taste coleslaw everywhere because I'm like really into it and I want to sample how they do it and how they do it. Hers. Nice. 
the best of all time. This is not a paid embedded no, commercial it is for not. Spring Hill. It is not. I actually mean it. Has it either, is so delicious. Has either of you try, ever tried to make that? What, coleslaw? coleslaw? Yeah. I've made it coleslaw. a bunch of times. It's pretty lame. What do you now, mean? now, his wife really does make good coleslaw. My wife could, could like, It's very good. It's she very makes good. coleslaw out of everything. It's different every is time. Is it a long process? For me, she goes, coleslaw's ready. I go, okay, it's not that long. <laughs> Don't ask John. That's all. I got nothing, Mike. Seriously. I'm by the oven, having shredded wheat. And Kennedy coming up next. WORD. Playing Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music on the weekend. With the best new music. New music. New music from Elevation Worship featuring Taryn Wells, Echo. Split the Sea by Hannah Kerr. And Remind Me by Blanca. The best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Brought to you by Nello Construction and Trinity Jewelers. 101.5 WORD. On the weekend, following is a true story. My name is David Bryant. When I was 37, my wife and I decided to get term life insurance through SelectQuote. Just three years later, I was diagnosed with ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Because of life insurance, the people I love most in this world will be protected no matter what happens to me. I know that the dreams I have for my family can still come true. Financial security, to stay in the home we became a family in, and for our children to be able to go to college. I reached out to SelectQuote because I wanted to share my story. If just one person purchases life insurance, I know I will have made a difference. SelectQuote can find a 37-year-old male a $500,000 policy for under a dollar a day. If there are people you care about, you need life insurance. It may be the single most important financial decision of your life. Don't put off protecting your family. Get your free quote now. Call 800 671 That's 800-671-7070, 800-671-7070, or go to selectquote.com. This is a paid endorsement. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Not available in all states. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its powerful technology identifies people with the right experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. You get qualified candidates fast. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for. The needle in the haystack. Four out of five employers who post a job in ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. ZipRecruiter. The smartest way to hire. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. ZipRecruiter.com slash free. The Starlight Lounge presents an evening with the progressive box. <laughs> I took a bit of a risk singing that song, but uh, of course the one place I never take chances is the road, where Progressive Snapshot rewards your safe driving. A good driver plus snapshot equals big discounts. And speaking of math, one plus one equals two, little too late. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California, North Carolina, or from all agents. They're funny, they're odd, they're frustrating. You love them and you hate them. Memes. I love a meme. What? Who invented the meme? I don't know, but I like it. You know, you hear like you know Thomas Edison or you know, 
the great men of the age. Yeah, this is some dude who lived in his parents' basement. Right. Invented a meme. Now he's living in Santa Barbara. In no, he's probably still <laughs> penniless because no one noticed that it was actually him. Ann Kennedy's with us. Ann's one of our regular guests. She is the author of Nailed It, 365 Sarcastic Devotionals for Angry and Worn Out People. She blogs every day at PreventingGrace.com. And welcome back. How are things? Very good. I've been having a holiday, so I feel bad when you say that I blog every day because I haven't for like two weeks. No guilt. No guilt you, at all. You deleterious blogger. You stink. <laughs> I know. I haven't taken a day off in like four years, and then suddenly I took a day off. And we brought it up. That's great. Isn't it good yes. to have friends like us, Anne? Yeah, it's very good. Yes, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Right. Although she didn't invite us to her holiday, so that's all right. All right uh, and you've written about a meme, one in particular, and it has the face of a of a tired woman on it, and it says something profound to make us get up and keep fighting. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a. Uh, it's just what you need if you're if you're exhausted. It's a well, a nice looking young lady. It says, "I finally threw in the towel, but God threw it back and said." Wipe your face, girl. We're almost there. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm speechless. <laughs> Wipe your face, girl. <laughs> yeah, I love being called girl by posters. I mean, I assume I'm the audience for this meme, so <laughs> I um, I'm going ahead and taking offense straight out. I prefer it when people call me Mrs. Kennedy than girl. Sure, but, um, sure. Okay, so you don't you like know. this meme. Let me just sum up your feelings. Yeah, I don't like this meme. I mean, I don't think God would say that. I'm pretty sure He didn't say "wipe your face, girl." We're almost there. Like me and God are, you know, trucking down, working on our. Uh, getting our steps in on our step counter, mm-hmm. and we're really tired, me and God. And then, you know, I was about ready to give up, and God was like, no, let's just do like 10,000 more steps today. Um, no, it's terrible theology. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> okay, so what, okay, so what, what do you think the theology is that is behind the meme? And then tell us why you don't think it's right. Well, so there's the latest um, kind of girl wash your face, you know, that uh, that's a very famous book right now, Girl, Stop Apologizing. So, hey, girl, um, that's a whole set of memes that are actually great. That young man who says, um, girl, I love your nursing abilities. Um, Those are great memes. can't remember who that is. But, um, you know, this sort of, you can... You can get yourself together. Um, you're responsible for your own happiness. You can take it in hand, and don't you settle um, for anything less than just being awesome. And God is on board with that. Um, that's the sort of, you know, he just wants you to keep trying because you have it deep down. Just dig deep down, and you'll um, you'll find the potential that's there. Mm-hmm. That's um, I've started calling it... Um, Geico Christianity from the Geico commercial where Pinocchio stands in front of a crowd of, you know, beleaguered office workers and says, all I see is potential. And then his nose grows. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. It's that kind of theology. You've got a lot of potential. You just need to work really, really, really hard to realize it. 
And I think I do think people think that's Christianity, but it's not even a little bit Christian. Okay, so if you're, how it works. okay, so if we're oh. thinking about what's Christian and what isn't, we'd think about interactions that Jesus actually had with people to figure out whether it's whether something we would encounter would be Christ-like or not. So let's break down some of the interactions Jesus had with actual people and whether that's the kind of thing that he might have said. So the woman yeah, who had been, was, let's, mm-hmm. let's take the woman who had been subject to bleeding for mm-hmm. many years, who touched the hem of his garment. Yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, she'd been bleeding for seven years, I think, and she had suffered at the hands of many, many doctors. And she hears that Jesus is coming, and so she gets into the crowd, which would have been really terrible because she was ceremonially and ritually un- un- unclean. And so she puts everybody else at, ri- at risk, and um, she's got, you know, an illness that cannot be he- has never been healed in human terms. And so she reaches out to the hem of Jesus' robe, and Jesus says, in, the, in this kind of meme, Jesus would say, man, you just need to try really hard and you will, you will just stop bleeding. You just work on that. <laughs> and, uh, and so she says, sure, okay, I just, I just needed somebody to tell me to try harder. That's what was missing for me. Uh, that's not what Jesus said. No, he healed her because she couldn't be healed. Jesus was God. So... Yeah, that was my favorite. But I also loved, you know, if, if Lazarus, um, not Lazarus, if Zacchaeus is climbing up into the tree because he wants to see Jesus, uh, what does Jesus say to him if he's the Geico Jesus? What's he say? Uh, <laughs> you know, you are realizing your potential. You have enough money almost to buy that vacation house in Capernaum or Rome or your favorite place. You have lived into your potential to earn a lot of money by taking it from people um, who are weaker than you. So good job. that's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, good job. You, just, you tried hard and God was happy with you. Mm, that's great because God, yes. God was cheering you on the whole time. Right. So this is the he church was. of, you know, self-help memes, right? And, and it's not that far from the truth because – I mean, you don't you don't want to wag your finger, people. But you, when you sometimes you look at modern Christianity, it feels that false. Yeah, I mean, I think people want to feel like they um, can do it. Every generation has a self help gospel, and it just takes different forms and different um, ways of appearing. And this generation has taken it to the mean level, which I feel like is both funny and boring, um, depending on the goodness of the theme. But um, we all want to be able to do it ourselves. And what what better way than to click onto Facebook early in the morning and see, you know, something pretty trite uh, that tells you that if you get out of bed, you're going to be awesome, you know, and you're going to you're going to be saved. And so you just go with it and you don't think any more about it. And over time, you ha- end up with really, really poor theology uh, where everything depends on you. And um, what happens when you can't measure up? Because one day you're not going to get your 50,000 steps on your step a meter um, and you're not going to run a marathon. And then what are you going to do when you get sick? And um, <laughs> right. you're going to need Jesus, not another meme. 
Ann Kennedy, she's the author of Nailed It, 365 Sarcastic Devotionals for Angry and Worn Out People. So, Ann, you are famously, we've talked about this, the mother of, uh, of many children. When you talk like this to your children, is your head exploding and are they sitting back? Do they celebrate this or do they fear it? When I get going about yes. how bad the memes are, yeah. I think that they secretly enjoy it, but they don't encourage me because uh, you're right, it can get out of control. Um, and they're very careful about the memes that they show me um, because the blowback. You know, they end up with. Yeah, they end up with a whole lecture Mm -hmm. about um, grace alone, by faith alone, for the glory of God alone. And, yeah, they don't have time for that. So, yeah, they are pretty careful about their meme sharing. I do think that Christians should try to do better uh, memes. You know, we should have a better meme game than the average. I think you're right about that. Uh, My husband has brought that up before because my husband still... To this day, you know, we have we have only two daughters, whereas I believe you have, do you have five daughters? Four. Four, four daughters. Okay, so I only have <laughs> half, I only have half the number of daughters you have, and which is, <laughs> is sliding me into into insecurity. But uh, my husband still, <laughs> yeah. with only two daughters, is overwhelmed by the, trying to come up with the difference between a meme and a gif, and he's constantly asking the question, now wait, now which one is this? So he feels like, personally, he should kick up the, like, Christianity's meme game. So whether he will be able to or not, I mean, that remains to be seen, but I can let you know. Well, I, I mean, I'm going to add him to my prayer list then because you do have to nail down the difference between a meme and a gift if you want to up your game, right. which I think, you know, people should feel theologically obligated to do good, mm-hmm. really excellent gifts and memes. Right. Yes. Um, because if you can communicate with somebody just in gifts or just in memes, like a whole conversation, you, I mean, that's probably the way that you earn God's pleasure. It's a good point. It's kind yeah. of like the dude yeah. running in chariots of fire. It's like when I send yes. the right meme, I feel God's pleasure. Mm-hmm. You feel God, yes. It's just like that. You're running down the beat, and then God throws the towel back at you and says, We're almost, almost. there, girl. Hey, girl. We're almost there. <laughs> that's Ann Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ann. Ann Kennedy. God bless her and all her six children. Nailed um, it. 365 sarcastic devotionals for angry and worn out people. She's also, most of the time, blogging preventinggrace.com. When she's not blowing stuff off on vacation. How does Eden Christian Academy prepare students for success? Through education that ignites the mind and inspires the spirit from pre-K through 12th grade. Through 47 state-certified full-time teachers and opportunities in sports, the arts, and service to the community. With results like SAT scores 200 points over the national average. Schedule a tour at any of Eden's three North Hills campuses and see what the area's largest non-denominational Christian school has to offer at EdenChristianAcademy.org. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters, always a favorite. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, for the extreme in all of us. 
at extremetruck.net. What you want is awesome new flooring at a great price. What you don't want is to spend hours at a showroom looking for it. With at-home flooring, you won't have to. At-home flooring is where awesome happens. And their family's been bringing awesome straight into Pittsburgh homes with top-quality hardwood, tile, carpet, and vinyl for over 50 years. With their free shop-at-home experience, along with great selection and professional installation. So forget the showroom and schedule a little bit of awesome instead. Visit athomeflooringpgh.com. Recent storms have done a number on Pittsburgh's homes and businesses. If you've had damage to your roof, windows, siding, or gutters and downspouts, you may be eligible to get them replaced or repaired free of charge. All you have to do is visit windowsareuspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows Are Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and, of course, windows. If damage isn't your issue and you just want something new, you'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. Why pay twice as much with other companies? Visit the area's premier exterior replacement company at windowsruspittsburgh.com. Mention Word FM for an additional 10% off at windowsruspittsburgh.com. That's windowsruspittsburgh.com. Blue Star Medicated Ointment gets five-star reviews from our loyal users for fast relief of the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. Blue Star soothes insect bites and fungal infections. It really works on the summer rashes I get every year. I had psoriasis on my elbows. Blue Star worked wonders. Amazing stuff. Smear a bit on and the itch is gone. Look for the white box with the blue star in the first aid section. Feel blue star work fast or your money back. Well, it's the last day of July, which means the stores now are chock full of back-to-school clothing, supplies, all that manner, right? You know the drill. You're not doing back-to-school stuff this year, are you? No. Isn't that good? You reach a... Which is sort of certain age. Yeah, I mean, I guess I will have to get some things. Some things, but but not like the full-on press like used to do. Right, not the whole thing. Okay, well, you're going to miss this. uh, Bulletproof backpacks. Oh, gosh. Bulletproof backpacks are now on sale at several Office Depot, Office Max, and Home Depot. Home Depot's in the Pittsburgh area. The retailers have stocked shelves with, quote, the Guard Dog Security brand backpacks built by the manufacturer's Bulletproof. A check at uh, different stores said, yeah, they are in place. They sell for 150 to $200 until most bulletproof backpacks had to be ordered online directly from special companies. But now, um, especially since the Parkland shooting, they are available at major retailers, including Macy's, Bath, Bed & Beyond. Um, you mean Bed, Bath & Beyond? Bed, Bath & Beyond, uh, yeah. So they're out there. Guard dog security backpacks, bulletproof. Good gravy. It's sad. That's so tragic. Now, do you really think that they're actually, I mean, a backpack is going to save your life? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. know. But, you know, of course you get your kid and think. That's the level of desperation that we're at. It really is. Is You think, okay, well, I can't do anything about this because we're just showing ourselves. Our society is incapable of having a conversation about this, let alone actually arriving at something that resembles a solution to right. it. So we'll so the, sell this so we're, instead. So we're going to buy a $200 backpack because that's the best we can do. It's <clears throat> just sick. We're yeah, sick. It really is. Yeah. We're absolutely sick. 
Hey, uh, 5 o'clock hour. Uh, we always love having Dr. Kurt Thompson's with us. He's going to talk about desire. Yeah, Kurt Thompson is a, psychi- a psychiatrist, which is also known as a psychiatrist yeah, right. <laughs> in private practice in Falls Church, Virginia. He's a really insightful guy, so he'll join us in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll also talk about uh, a David Brooks piece in the New York Times. He talked about the uh, changing face of art over the last 50 years. So we'll talk about some of our Very experiences yeah. um, in uh, in the art world with some of the pieces that we love and maybe how our view of art is changing. I also wanted to let you know that um, today's National Avocado Day. Oh, really? Avocados. One of my favorite things on earth. Mine too. Happy to have guacamole. I mean, I can't even stand how much I love yeah. guacamole. Mm-hmm. Have you tried avocado toast yet, Mike? Not yet. I want to, though. Wait, we saw comedians oh. in cars, Ricky Gervais, having avocado toast. Yeah, and, and didn't you look at that and think, well, that's oh, delicious. That. Yeah. It looked glorious. It of course sure did. it did. You just need to eat it. Yeah. Change your world. How about tomatoes? Tomatoes, are they ready to go? Because I've not grown I've any. I've got a couple tomatoes from the store that are okay. Uh, just okay. What about the ones that you planted? I did not. I just... Next year. I got that covered. Okay, okay. Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. The Federal Reserve is cutting its key interest rate for the first time in more than a decade. The Fed is cutting its benchmark federal funds rate by a quarter point to a range of two to two and a quarter percent. It's the Fed's first rate cut since December 2008, when the U.S. economy was in the depths of the Great Recession. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell. It is intended to insure against downside risks from weak global growth and trade policy uncertainty. As for what's ahead, Powell says the Fed will act as appropriate to sustain the expansion with a strong labor market and inflation near its symmetric 2% objective. Language that markets have seen as a signal for possible future rate cuts. However, stocks took a nosedive when Powell added the Fed does not see a long cycle of cuts ahead. Ben Thomas, Washington. On Wall Street, the Dow down by 333 points. The Nasdaq plunged 99. The S&P lower by 33. This is SRN News. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, driven by Calusi Chevrolet, serving the Pittsburgh area for over 100 years. Hey, Grandma and Grandpa. When you retire, will you take me to Disney World? Can we go to a movie? Grandma, can you teach me how to knit? Grandpa, will you throw the baseball around with me? They won't always be so little. Make sure you plan now so you can start making more memories. Because big or small, those moments matter. They are what you've worked your entire life for, and they just might turn out to be some of the best moments of your life and theirs. I'm Kurt Kenotic, CEO and financial advisor at Accurate Solutions Group. Call our team to start your personalized income plan for your own retirement blueprint. 412-515-3555. That's 412-515-3555. At Accurate Solutions Group, we help people retire with confidence, clarity, and independence. We do the planning so you can make the memories. 412-515-3555. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. When the sand gets hot, you got to move fast, like a dog chasing a Frisbee. Move just as fast to the Ford Hurry Up and Save Sales event. Because for the first time ever, you can get 20% estimated savings on select Ford vehicles. Plus, earn complimentary maintenance through Ford Pass Rewards. Don't let this hot deal on America's best-selling brand pass you by. 
get into the Ford Hurry Up and Save sales event. Based on 2010 through 2018 calendar year sales, Moda must be activated within 60 days of purchase through the Ford Pass app on a smartphone and remain active for at least six months after activation. Eligible on select 2019 model year vehicles, vehicle must have arrived at dealer at least 61 days prior to the sale date. Estimated savings include an average dealer discount based on a sales survey of average discounts offered by Ford dealers nationally. Discount may vary. Dealer determines price. For all offers, take new retail delivery from an authorized Ford dealer stock by 9319. See participating dealer for complete details. Providence Presbyterian Church, Washington Alliance Church, Bethlehem Lutheran Church, St. John the Baptist Church, Impact Christian Church, The Bible Chapel. What do all these churches from various denominations have in common? Nello Construction. Design and build with one company. Nello Construction. Full service construction from the ground up. Renovation. Expansion. Nello Construction. The choice for churches. See the projects. Begin the journey at NelloConstruction.com. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our to have and to hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership, but not the Word FM Discount Shopping Club. In our club, you save as much as half. That's right, 50% on gift certificates and items from local restaurants, health services, and much more. Discount deals just in time for birthdays, special occasions, or just because. And all from the comfort of your own computer or smartphone. Great deals and awesome savings. Log on now to wordfm.com, keyword shopping. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Last night, uh, it was pouring down rain. Pouring down rain. I was sitting on my front porch and uh, started to get a little wet because, you know, the wind was kicking up a little bit. And I thought, I should go inside and watch the debates. And then I thought, no, I think I'll just stay in the porch and get wet. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a fine choice. I mean, what the heck? Did you have any interest at all? I did have some interest, but my daughter wanted to watch something else. Oh, so you acquiesced. And I thought, you know what? I can't. You know, right. I think we should just go with that. What you end up watching? Uh, we ended up watching Comedians in Cars. Hey, okay, that's a better choice. Okay, so it's always better, to, for me at least, these massive, and there's another debate tonight, 10... Part two. 10 candidates who will, none of these people will be president, most likely, right? I mean, things, things happen, we all right. know that. But it's kind of like the NFL playoffs. Like, you've got your, your teams that just made it in, and the first game is not you. You don't think they're going to make the Super Bowl, right? But you it just You're still rooting. You think maybe they'll make it to the next round, right? That's where like Marianne Williamson is. Listen to she, me; she's I, the most interesting. Candidate. I think she might. I, I think she made it into the next round. Yeah. Okay. So Bernie Sanders, Liz Warren, they faced off against each other uh, against Mayor Pete and uh, Beto O'Rourke, who his sort of his Nadar he has passed. Yeah, he has faded. Right. Um, a myriad of topics, but you know, as believers, we're always kind of interested in to see how faith is invoked. Well, a couple of things. Uh, Last night, there was the national anthem at the beginning of the debate, Mm -hmm. the national anthem, which included a a black choir led by uh, Marvin Winans. 
who I love, yeah. who is absolutely killing. Right. He is awesome. I mean, it's interesting, you know, anytime that you want to invoke Christian spirituality, everyone brings out a black wire. Right. Doesn't it? Yes, because I mean, it's, it's so awesome. Yeah. I mean... Um, Mayor Pete on the minimum wage. This was the most. Um, oh yeah. The most. The most tweeted. forceful Christian and, and moment I think of the, the most, evening, and the most tweeted and retweeted. He was talking about um, you know minimum wage and fifteen dollars an hour, and uh, he said the minimum wage is just too low. I'm reading here from Relevant Magazine, and uh, and and quote and so called. This is what I always love. And so called conservative Christian senators oh, right now in the Senate are blocking a bill to raise the minimum wage, where Scripture says that. Whoever oppresses the poor taunts their maker, which is, of course, a quote from Proverbs 14.31. That makes me so mad. What's that? That is scripture like that. It is. That is a complete abuse of scripture. The principle is that we should not oppress the poor. The scripture has nothing to do with the minimum wage. There are a lot of different opinions about the minimum wage. I'm not really sure what I think about minimum wage, but it's something that I'd be interested in reading about. It is for sure. Not a scriptural mandate. Right. That is a that is absolute abuse of the Holy Scriptures. There's Mayor Pete, right, appealing to some sort of a cannot base. stand that. So uh, the aforementioned Marion Williamson, who I find fascinating, I saw Marion Williamson. She's never a dull moment, man. No, she's wild. Um, I saw her in a church in Manhattan in 1987, uh, teaching uh, the purported A Course in Miracles. Mm-hmm. And she has, uh, you know, of course, became famous from those early teachings. Then, of course, risen to fame, latching on to Oprah Winfrey. Or Oprah latched on to her, depending oh, on how you look I at it. I guess so, yeah. Uh, so she, last night, uh, Marion Williamson talked about dark psychic forces. Um, she is. This a, makes a lot more sense, just as a preview. This makes a lot. You might think she's she's wacky, but what she said here makes a lot more sense than what Buttigieg's or yeah. what it was Buttigieg, right? Who was talking about the minimum wage? Right. She said. Um, uh, she said that uh, she cannot help but attribute to some America's collectivized hatred to a dark psychic force manifested by Trump. Oh, gosh. Okay. The dark psychic force I can totally yeah. resonate with. The fact that it – that is so classic, isn't it? That you are going to – it's it's my A-list of people that we have to point to and say the evil's over there. Of course. Right? You know that was going to happen. Trump's just the latest, greatest incarnation is but, that – But it is interesting, that phrase, dark psychic force. I think that's – I think that's – an acute representation, yeah. an acute labeling of what sin? we see. I think it's Satan? great. Yes, I love that. Directing it at one person is so unbelievably foolish. Well, that's the base. So that's the uh, three times where Christianity in some way. Wait, I thought that was two times. Was there a third time? The choir. Oh, Mayor right. Pete and okay. Marion Williamson alluding to, I mean, very thin, right? Dark psychic forces. Well, I mean, she's definitely putting it in the spiritual realm, yes. which is where she lives and where which her popu- is great. which is where her popularity lives. And people recognize that right. from a self-help guru. Isn't that sick? Yeah, it is. This that is emblematic of the problem that we have is whoever we are, we're convinced that the evil resides on the other side. I don't want to own my evil. Do you? Right. No one wants to own their no, own evil. No, of course not. But it's an essential part of humanity's yes. interaction with God is owning it. Without a doubt. Owning it. That, you know, the Alexander Solzhenitsyn quote, which should be required memorization for every human, is that the line between good and evil, and I'm saying this off out of memory, so I, I might butcher it a little bit, but the line between good and evil does not run through nations 
or political parties, Mm -hmm. but it runs through the heart of every man. The line between good and evil is in you. It's not in Donald. It's not that evil's in Donald Trump and good is in you. That's not it. And it's not that evil is in AOC and not in you. No, the point is, is that the line between good and evil is in you and her and him and me and all of us. All of us. What it is. I'm into that. Yeah. Okay, so that's uh, that's last night's debate. Uh, tonight, I guess, is tonight would be considered the A-list? Well, I don't know. Tonight we have Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. You know, right. Kamala Harris is my prediction for the Democratic nomination. That she'll win the... the uh-huh. yeah. I think she'd be tough to beat. We'll find out, right? Yeah. <laughs> Plenty of time, right? This time next year, we'll still be talking about Do it. Do you think any of the um, people speaking on the debate stage will be celebrating National Avocado Day? Mm. If they did, perhaps that might garner a few votes. I think that that would be a nice welcome relief from the dread seriousness that they're going to approach right. their task with. How old were you when you first had uh, guac? Pretty old. Yeah, because it's become a thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean it we, wasn't you know, a... It, Ten I, years ago... I don't think I had it before I was 30. Mm-hmm. Did you? Test. No. Well, heck, you were no. living in New York, though. Wasn't that like you no, were living no. a chic urban existence? Well, there's some of that. But there was no guacamole there. Chic urban existence. Well, you yeah. were in New York. You yeah. were, you know, Wait, me... young, single. Sometimes I was lying actor. in the gutter. Chic urban existence. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Where's my guac? Uh-huh. No, seriously, but guac wasn't a thing then. No, it wasn't. Isn't it funny how, you know, food is trendy trend. just like clothes and cars and everything else? What did I read? Was it, uh, was it last year Mexico imported 800 million pounds of avocados into the United States? Exported. Exported. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we imported them. Yeah, and right. I ate them all. Oh, man. It's so good. If if there's anything I could grow, an avocado. That was what I would love to grow. We we clearly do not have the climate. No, we for don't. It. Okay, what you bring this up against? What today's National Avocado Day? Yeah, that's where we're going to celebrate celebrating the vegetable. It's wait, it's a fruit. It's not a vegetable. Right. It's a savory fruit. Delicious. It's a high fat, delicious, savory fruit. I desire it. We're going to speak about desire in just a few minutes with Dr. Kurt Thompson. Stick around. W-O-R-D. When you think of battles, Gettysburg, Waterloo, Pearl Harbor might come to mind. But the greatest battle today doesn't involve the military. It's over ideologies, how we got here, how the universe came to be. So who's right and what are the stakes? Find out this week as John MacArthur continues his study, The Battle for the Beginning, on Grace to You. Tomorrow morning at 7 on 101.5 WORD. Do you remember what was kept in a spring house? If you're an old timer, you know that a spring house was used for storing fresh cold milk. In 84 Pennsylvania, we have another kind of spring house. Our spring house is an old-fashioned country store filled with all kinds of old-time gifts, great country foods, and you guessed it, fresh cold milk. You see, the spring house in 84 is also a dairy farm where we milk our own cows, pasteurize and homogenize the milk, and sell it all through the store. We've had people tell us it has to be some special kind of gourmet milk. We don't add anything to the cow's diet or to the milk. It's just nature's purest, most perfect food, and we love the way our customers love it. We also make a chocolate milk you would think is a chocolate shake, an old-fashioned buttermilk that people drive miles to get, and a 40% heavy cream that's wonderful for luscious desserts. Our 2% and our skim are the greatest sellers. Come and try some Springhouse milk at the Springhouse in 84. Looking 
looking for a satisfying career helping people with disabilities? Consider LifeSteps, who's served Western Pennsylvania since 1923 and offers 100% paid health, dental, and vision premiums for full-time employees. All shifts available. Make a difference and call LifeSteps today at 724-283-1010 or visit LifeSteps.net. That's LifeSteps.net to check out available positions. LifeSteps is an equal opportunity employer. You know social media can grow your business. What you need is a social media strategy. August 6th, the Pittsburgh North Regional Chamber presents the 2019 Social Media Marketing Conference from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. Gain expert insights from Salem Surround, Yelp, and other local pros to help develop your social media goals, protect and advance your brand. Plus, hear little-known tips and tricks that will make you a social media master at LaRoche University's Appala College Center, Babcock Boulevard. Reserve now at wordfm.com slash conference. What's happened to my son? We raised him in the church and he went to youth group. He's not acting like himself and this morning I found drugs in his room. I can't tell my pastor or my friends. They'll think I'm a bad parent. Is this my fault? I'm so ashamed and don't know where to turn. There is hope. For over 50 years, Western Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge has been helping families to find answers to their loved one's drug addiction. Call today, 724-265-4100, or visit paatc.org, bringing wholeness to the hopeless. Dr. Kurt Thompson is with us. He's a regular guest on our show. Dr. Thompson is a psychiatrist in private practice in Falls Church, Virginia, here today to talk to us from a psychiatric level uh, about desire. Kurt, welcome back. How are you today? Thanks so much, John. It's great to be with you. Thank you. So talk about um, desire. You've been talking, you've been thinking at least, I guess, about the role of community (laughs) and how we kind of, uh, I don't know, how we deal with these issues and how we recognize God's presence in them and try to, I don't know, try to get a handle on what our boundaries are going to be. Right. I mean, I I think the, uh, the, one of the first things to say is that um, this notion of paying attention to desire uh, first began even as I was completing the work on the last book on the, what I, that I wrote on shame, because so much of what leads to our experience of shame actually begins with desire. If you look at the if you look at the uh, story in Genesis three of Adam and Eve, uh, it's not that Adam and Eve just simply out of their own doing just pick fruit and eat it. Uh, there is a sense in which Eve is, there. there's a participant in this, in which the serpent really goads her. The serpent really starts to ask questions. The serpent, and I, w- and I would suggest, hijacks her necessarily created desire for deep connection and so forth and so on, laces that with shame, and then points to her a solution for this problem, points to her a solution for what it means to start to feel like, what do you do when you take in this notion that God doesn't want you to be like him. God doesn't, you know, yes, they set these limits, but these limits are not really intended for your good. These limits are intended to limit you and only to limit you and to make sure that you don't become like God. One of the things that we also see in in newborns is that, you know, babies come out of the womb and they are just pretty much either in go mode for things that they desire and long for, or they're asleep for the most part, right? I mean, it's pretty much what they do. And most of what 
we then long for becomes the energy around which leads to the things that we seek. Of course, that 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 longing and that desire can move in a direction that is unhelpful for us. If I'm the toddler and I want to move toward the street with oncoming traffic, uh, somebody's going to have to say no to me in the same way that God was saying no to the first couple with that one admonition about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Part of our challenge, though, is that uh, we have a long, we, we have a, we have a hard time actually identifying what it is that we want, despite the fact that it is what we want that initially gets us into trouble. Um, you know, what are the things that we do that don't have some connection to things that we want? Like I'm thirsty, I'm hungry for something, and so I overeat. I'm thirsty for something, and so I drink what I shouldn't drink. I'm hungry, longing for something that leads me to an affair, that leads me to all kinds of behaviors that are not going to be good. And so what we can end up doing then is with our bad behavior, we then say, well, the desire and the longing that preceded it was also part of what's bad. Mm, And what we we forget is that when God brings the woman to the man in Genesis chapter 2, the man bursts forth in song and poetry. He bursts forth with desire, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, and not desire that is consumptive, not desire that just wants to have sex, but this acknowledgement that here is someone who is both like me, but also very different from me, and my longing is to be connected. And then here's the real thing. We don't just long deeply for connection just for the sake of connection. We long for connection for the purpose of creating, of making beauty in the world. We long for connection not just to be connected, but in order for us to make things. To do something, to we produce something. To, yeah, to, to make exactly. So the example that I give is that, you know, we, we see couples in our office frequently, and it's not uncommon for a couple to come here. And, you know, you know people, go to see, people don't go to see doctors to tell the doctors that they feel great. Right. You know, we don't, I don't want to spend money just to tell you that I feel great. I come in because I have a problem. I'm here because my life is a wreck. I'm here because of the identified problems that are going on. And so... So much of our life that we think about, our anxieties are really ways in which our mind are wrapped around our understanding who we are in terms of our being problematic, our being pathologized, is where we have our pathologies. And so the couple comes in, and rightly, they want to name their pathology as we have a problem in our marriage. And they start to name the things that are problematic with their marriage. And it's difficult at first, and it's difficult for all of us. It's difficult in the context of our anxiety and our distress and our marriage and our political rancor and so forth and so on to name what it is that we want to make, to name what we long for. And so one of the questions in our practice that we've really been paying attention to in the last 18 months or so has been inviting our, inviting our patients right off the bat to begin to name what is it that you want? What do you want? And I tell people the reason that we ask this question is because, as many, some people know this, that these are the very first words of Jesus in John's Gospel. When he confronts, when, when, when John the Baptist's disciples come to find him, he asks, what do you want? What are you looking for? 
And this is the, what are you longing for? What is your desire? And so often our desire has gotten us into so much trouble that we get to a point where we don't pay attention to it because it's too attached to what's gotten us into trouble. Mm. What we're finding though, what we're finding though with patients is that when we begin to tease out the answer to that question, what is your desire, eventually they can put their shame away, although it takes some time, and they can name, gosh, I don't just want my marriage, I just don't, I, I don't want us to stop doing the things in my marriage that I don't like. Here's what I want my marriage to be. Mm. Here's what we want to make of our marriage. Here's what I want to make of my life. Okay, Answering so, so Kurt, okay, so yeah. let, me, let me break that down so I know what you're getting at. You're saying that oftentimes when we are frustrated with things and we would look at our spouse or our boss or our roommate or our kids or whatever, we would say, you know, I wish you were X or Y. Please stop doing this and stop doing that. And I hate when you do that. When in reality, the deeper thing is that I am longing for something and I'm not, that I'm not able to receive? Exactly. Well, and in fact, I may not even be able to tell you what it is because for a long enough period of time, we, you know, our relationship has been kind of so destructive that I've forgotten what it is that I really want. When I'm saying to someone, I want you to stop doing this and stop doing that, I'm being protective. And, and these things are not bad things to be saying, but it is our brainstem and our limbic circuitry that are primarily driving that conversation, not my prefrontal cortex that can think and plan and imagine what is the beautiful thing in this relationship that I really want to come of it. Hmm. If I'm practicing on a regular basis in my relationships, in my marriage, with my children, with my boss, with my employees, with my schoolmates, wherever it is, the degree to which we are actually able to reflectively consider what is the next new, good, beautiful thing that I want to make today in my classroom on this radio program, on the drive home, what are the things that I want to create in answer to my God making us as a creator? And we are called to make things of beauty. We long to be able to do this because we want to become, we want to live into that beauty that we want to make. I want to make beautiful, you name it, beautiful furniture, beautiful software, beautiful relationships. And I want that beauty to be an extension of who I am, mm -hmm. something that we've lost along the way. Well, that's good. Kurt, always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us. You bet. My pleasure. Kurt Thompson, he is a psychiatrist in private practice. Today, talking about desire as he sketches work for future work. Desire, beauty, and grief. Stick around. We got more ahead. It's the ride home with John and Kathy here on Word FM and WPIT Radio. Hey, before you know it, we'll be back in a session as far as school goes. But, you know, we're halfway through the summer, and it's probably a good time to reflect on what the school year was like. And so we can see how the summer's going and then look ahead to the fall. Well, I have a daughter who's between her sophomore and junior year at Grove City College, and so she's now halfway through her summer job. It's given us a good chance to evaluate how her last semester at Grove City impacted what she's doing this summer. And, you know, I'm really, really happy about it. And it's not just 
that she's utilizing stuff that she learned in the classroom as much as it is that I can see that she's learned how to integrate her faith with book knowledge. And it's all coming together so that when she's in the workplace, she's actually... I don't know. She's thinking differently. She's functioning better. I really think the training she's getting at Grove City is making a big difference at work. I agree, Kath. My son will be coming uh, a senior at Grove City College this year. And you see, you see the growth in your child's life from a senior in high school to a senior in college. He's an intern at a local robotics company here in the city of Pittsburgh. I'm excited for him. And I know that many of those powers, much of the strength that he's derived has come from those last three years at Grove City College. So you as a parent thinking about your child and what the future holds, both Kath and I would recommend you take a good look at Grove City College for the future growth of your child, not only in intellectual growth, but as a Christian as well. GCC.edu, Grove City College. Exxon and Mobile present How to Be Supremium. First, fill your tank with Exxon and Mobile's Supremium fuel. New Synergy Supreme Plus. It keeps your engine two times cleaner for better gas mileage. Then get the rest of your car two times cleaner. My rims are so shiny they can be seen from space. I saw pictures. So clean your engine with new Exxon and Mobile Synergy Supreme Plus. It's supreme. It's premium. It's supremium. Fill up today or go to exxon.com for details. Synergy Supreme Plus gas compared to Synergy regular gas and poor fuel injected engines. Benefits based on continuous use and may vary. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership, but not the Word FM discount shopping club. No, in our club you save as much as half. Half off home improvement services, web design, family entertainment, music. Music festivals and much more, all from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Log on now to wordfm.com slash shopping and God save the green. You know, they say the best is yet to come. But to make that true for your retirement, you need a plan. We'll start by tuning in for Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane with Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10. Kurt and Ethan can help simplify the retirement planning process. No technical terms or calculations, no product pushing, just the information you need for retirement. Don't miss Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10 right here on 101.5 Word FM. A shower or thunderstorm around early this evening. Otherwise, for the rest of tonight, partly cloudy skies dropping down to a low of 64. For tomorrow, partly sunny, high of 82. Mainly clear skies tomorrow night, a low of 65. And for Friday, partly sunny skies. Watch for a spotty afternoon thunderstorm in the laurels heading up to a high of 82. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm meteorologist Jake Soja. Guess what time it is. I've been waiting all day for this. It is time now for today's $1,000 daily cash giveaway, Word FM, Word of the Day. Are you having fun with words? It's going to give away $1,000 in cash to somebody. Remember these words. The Word FM Word of the Day is pierogi. Enter the word pierogi online at wordfm.com forward slash cash and you'll have the chance to win, yes, $1,000. Again, the Word FM Word of the Day is pierogi and it's spelled several ways, so I'll tell you what we're looking for. P-I-E-R-O-G-I. That's pierogi, P-I-E-R-O-G-I. Who doesn't know a pierogi better than Kathy Emmons? Listen, there are a lot of ways you can spell that, friends. Yes. Some people spell it badly. Some people spell it P-E-R-O-G-I. Like, really? People. Try harder. Sour cream, no sauerkraut. Oh, no. I, you you want to hear something weird? Yeah. You like it on your pierogi. In it. 
I know I like pierogies that are made have sauerkraut filling. What the heck? I I can't explain it. I don't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. It shouldn't be news to you. Right. Right. All right. Hey, listen. um, We do not follow this closely. At least I don't. uh, Popular music, but Katy Perry, she um, started out many years ago as a Christian singer songwriter. Right. Uh, Now she's an international star. Well, yesterday she lost a five-year-old copyright case over the hit song Dark Horse. Uh, Christian rapper, a, a guy by the name of Flame, his real name is Marcus Gray, he sued Katy Perry in 2014, claiming that the song's beat, Dark Horse, had been ripped from his song called Joyful Noise. He also sued five others who worked in the song, including Juicy J., Producer Dr. Luke, who was accused of... Oh, no, uh, <laughs> Let's not talk about what he was accused of. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let's leave that to the imagination, people. It's a family show. <laughs> I got a little ahead of myself there. Anyway, so uh, Katy Perry has been uh, singled out. Today starts deliberations on damages. Now, this could go into the you know, millions yeah, and millions of dollars. All right, all right. So I want to hear these two. Okay, so can you play Dark Horse for me first, Mike? Okay. All right. All right. So what's the flame? Yeah, I mean, they sound similar. But, I mean, it's not like a direct rip, is it? I think I'm – I hate to say this. I think I'm on Katie's side. Like, I don't – that, that seems like a lot of songs. Yeah, a lot of songs, right? It's pretty basic. Okay, so I'm glad you said this because Katy Perry's lawyer said these are the basic building blocks of music. You can't copyright all the notes. <laughs> right. Uh, that, can you, wait, wait. Can you play them again, Mike? Can you play Dark Horse, Dark Horse again? Okay. Okay, stop it. No, you're, you're messing with my head. I mean, there's a similarity. There's yeah, for sure a similarity. Definitely. Hers is a lot slower. Right. Okay, so uh, all of the defendants said, hey, man, we, we never even heard this song. Fact of the matter is, though, that the, the song the song's by been out for five years. Five before. years and was a big hit, and uh, I think it was nominated for a Grammy as right. well. I think it was also nominated for a Dove Award. Um, so the... That's it. Take it to the bank. I don't think that that's the part they're talking about. I think that they are. Yeah, they are. That's the part they're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought they were talking about the rhythm piece at the bottom. Oh, please. (laughs) Can I ask you to sing more? You know, I'm just saying. It's kind of catchy. I mean, but they are, too. They're one and the same. Right. right? The the beat down below and the little trill thing there. I don't know. So much music <laughs> now sounds ripped off to me. It yes, does. it is yeah. all ripped that off. It's that I have a hard time seeing how anyone's going to be able to win or even how these are going to be adjudicated, these kind of suits. But it was unanimous, right? right? All the people yeah, that was. were on this case, it was unanimous. So, I mean, they listened to it a lot more than I have. Right. I mean, I, you know, this time last week we were talking about Frank Sinatra. Did it, I wonder if Frank ever got sued by <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he got sued. I'm sure. <laughs> you know, but for like copyright You know what that one listener thought? She didn't want to listen to it because of his mafia connection. 
When I was 17. What do you think? Okay, Mike, what do you think? I think I think it's ridiculous. It's it's going to people getting sued for this reason is going to destroy the music industry. Oh, it's already I mean, destroyed. It, it's it's pathetic. <laughs> I mean, it does the the beat does sound the same, but geez, oh man, nothing new is under the sun. Right, here. right. Um, jeez. Uh even like this part where like, you know, let me find it. <laughs> now, would you stop that? That part, yeah, where that that voice, That's, that sound, it's I everywhere. Mean, even the Beatles used it, right? That that it, that low, oh. it's not going you know, right, right, that. right, right. And that you hear that all the time, right? Okay. <laughs> but here's the thing: if they're if they're deciding cases like this, they have certain parameters that right. they've already set up. Can you imagine being on that jury no. and having to listen to those songs well, for like six weeks? Pull your I was listening to. Uh, um, an interview, uh, Inside Edition, covered this story. It's fine journalism. And uh, and and the guy was saying that Katy Perry actually offered to sing the song in the courtroom, um, and they were about to, but they had technical difficulties, technical difficulties. playing playing the, uh, the 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 background music of it. Really? So it ended up not happening. Well, what was that point? She was like in a you know. But, but what's she's playing point? to her base. Well, was yeah. she saying that she would be impressive as Katy Perry if right. she came in and the jurors were like, oh my gosh, that's really oh, her. that's Katy yeah. Perry. Yeah. Holy smokes, yeah. Maggie. Yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah. I'm glad she lost. Well, yeah, okay. So, I mean, why? Well, you don't like Katy? I, I, mean, I don't like I don't. I'm not saying I don't like her. I wouldn't her. know just, if I fell I'm over. I'm not a huge fan of her. No. I, I, I kind, of, kind of feel bad that she's this fine. is happening to her. Yeah, because I don't I, I don't think I'd go with the rest of the jurors on this. Right. Yeah. I think I'd come down on her side. Right. But makes I don't know. Whatever. It's cheese ball, isn't it? You're, okay. you're cheese. cheese ball. Coming up next, we're going to talk about art. Who will yeah. teach us how to feel? Ruminations on a piece by David Brooks in the New York Times. And sauerkraut. No sauerkraut. 101.5 WORD. According to Chuck Swindoll, reaching out to your neighbor is a fundamental role for every Christian. What the ball is to the game, what the musical note is to the symphony, what the book is to the librarian, a neighbor is to the Christian. How easy to forget. Chuck Swindoll talks about touching lives right where you live on Insight for Living. Tomorrow morning at 8 on 101.5 WORD. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters, always a favorite. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, for the extreme in all of us. At ExtremeTruck.net. Today's world craves leaders, leaders with vision, moral character, and independent thinking. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And since 1986, Rama Christian School in Moon has laid the foundation that makes leaders through academic and extracurricular activities designed to be as instructional as they are competitive, through mission and service opportunities, arts and athletics, an independent school where pre-K through 8th grade students are formed to become the independent leaders of tomorrow. Schedule a tour at RamaChristianSchool.org. Hey, it's John Hall. So a while back, the folks at MyPillow said, hey, John, can you try out a MyPillow and let us know what you think? I was skeptical. I mean, it's a pillow. But what did I have to lose, right? I'll tell you what I lost. Interrupted sleep. No more folding the pillow in half. No more flat, lifeless pillows. It changed my life. So I'm letting you know, you need my pillow. Well, not my actual pillow, but your own my pillow. 
It stays cool all night long. No more waking up at 3 a.m. to flip to the cool side of the pillow. It keeps its shape. No more reshaping your pillow in the middle of the night. It comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Try it. Don't like it? Return it. My pillow comes with a 10-year warranty. Do you have a pillow that comes with a 10-year warranty? You can toss a my pillow into your washer and dryer. It's like new again. Get a two-pack of my pillows premiums for $69.98. That's only $34.99 per pillow, the lowest price ever offered on radio or TV. This offer is only available at mypillow.com or call 800 391 Use promo code WORD. This is Peter on his motorcycle. Oh, the open road. And this is Peter off his motorcycle. Um, please move your paper off my desk. Thank you. On his motorcycle. I feel so alive! Off his motorcycle. I feel like we covered that already, so... On. Wow! Look at the ocean! Off. Look at this article I found about urban planning. You're better on your bike. Progressive helps keep you on it. Get a quote in as little as three minutes at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. When I was in art school... I studied interior design, and one of the projects that I had to do it was my final project, actually, is that you had to um, you had to design a room that was focused on and inspired by a piece of art, piece of fine art. So you could pick a sculpture or a painting or whatever you wanted to do, and you had to work around it. So the the thing that was uh, it was it was a great project. It was very challenging, but I think the most challenging part is that you have to look at that piece of art <laughs> so many times. You know, over and over and over again, and it takes you months to do it. So you're immersed, you're with this thing, right? And so about three quarters of my class hated their piece of art by the time they were done. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, they hated it because it was just, it was total immersion. It was total immersion, right? I had the opposite experience where I did I did a Winslow Homer piece called Snap the Whip, and I'd never known Winslow Homer before this. I didn't know, I'd never heard his name. So you can call me ignorant if you're an art history person. I, I just didn't know anything about him until I did this project. But I love this piece of art. And um, it's a rectangular piece, and it's post-Civil War, and it's a group of boys, and they're playing a game called Snap the Whip. And they're out in front of a um, of a schoolhouse, a red schoolhouse, and there's a church in the background, and that's really all it is. Yeah, spare. But there is something so lovely about it. It captures this relationship between these kids and they're little kids they're maybe 10 11 years old it captures this like that time in america when we were moving from the one room schoolhouse to looking at things where like the 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 church was was it fading in the background into into american history or was it going to be a part of the history that america was going to be developing i mean there's just so much to it in addition to the fact that it's just rich and beautiful i love it so much that my husband gave it to me um for our anniversary last year and he got john's wife to frame it and it hangs in my living room and it's just it's one of my favorite things i own but two years ago when i went to new york city i was wandering around the met Never been to the Met before. And I found out that they had a Winslow Homer room. And so I went into the room to just look around because I've become such a fan of his since working on this project. And I turned around and all of a sudden, John, there it was. Nice. The the thing. Yeah. The, the thing. original. Not the prints I was working from. Not the, It was right there. And I, I couldn't believe that it was there. It was like, it's like seeing a celebrity. Like you can't believe that you're with the person. Right. I could not believe I was with that painting. And what I couldn't believe even more, and this might sound crazy to you, 
is I started to cry. Mm. I got re- I, no, I got it's... really emotional about it because I couldn't. It is so beautiful in person. I, it was so much more beautiful than I ever thought from all the work I did on it. And I just sat there and I spent a whole hour just hanging out, right. just looking at it. There's, it was just so lovely. So if you've ever had an experience with art that way, you know that there's something that it teaches us that other things don't teach us, right? You're not going to, if you're looking at a math problem or if you're doing a historical study or you're talking about politics, it's not the same as Something that you get or something that you learn might be a better term from a piece of art. And I thought about that experience when I was reading this article by David Brooks in the New York Times this weekend. And um, he talks about this new study that was done by T Magazine. And they gathered a bunch of artists and museum curators. So these are people who are at the cutting edge of art, right? And and T Magazine asked them to name the artworks that have defined the contemporary age. So this is 1970 to now, the artworks that have defined our age. Now, these are several things that David brought David Brooks brought up as things that were notable about this list of the most influential art. Few of them are paintings or sculptures. Most are intellectual concepts or political attitudes that are expressed through video or photographs or installations or words. So it might be like a little box you walk into and there's a video yelling at you. Or a meme. Or it could be a photograph pushing the boundaries of something. A short film. Or making a political statement that you are shocked by, right? Of the 27 artists they named, 20 of them are from America, which seems like shockingly non-internationally representative. <laughs> you got that right. Right, right? And most of the, arti- of the artists, no one's ever heard of. Right. So prior, David Brooks says this, prior to 1970... You, if people ask you, tell me a world famous artist. Like in the fifty years prior to that, right? People's, you know, the 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 usual suspects who were the sort of the pillars of the post war era, pre war era: Pablo Picasso, uh, Jackson Pollock, Georgia O'Keeffe, uh, Mark Rothko, Edward Hopper, Diego Rivera, uh, Frida Kahlo. We've all heard of them, sure. Right? They were people, they transcended. Sure, everybody. You could put Andy Warhol in there. Yeah, but now. Right? When you say Picasso, an image of you know an image would come to mind. Right. Jackson Pollock, an image would come to mind. Right. But David Brooks is saying in this article that artists from 1970 forward have chosen a different palette, a different way of expressing a politicized image or images, which in many ways has informed us. I would say has infected us in the modern mm-hmm. world. Right. So is it is it the chicken or egg? Has that infected us? Has our that art infected us or have we infected the artists? Now, if you have a, a problem grasping what we're talking about, um, if you've been to, you know, the Carnegie lately, and this is goes this goes back I'm sure to the 70s or you walk into a darkened room and they'll be playing a video of confusing consequence with some odd music perhaps and it'll seem jarring i find myself struggling to find the meaning and then feeling foolish trying to find the meaning because i have no grasp of what exactly the art is or you'll see something that will be sexually explicit but in a violent way or demeaning yeah 
or you'll find something that is clearly a political statement made through words. Right. And not that, you know, we're espousing uh, paint a bowl of fruit and that's good to go. Uh, You want to be challenged by the art that you would uh, find what? Enjoyable? I don't even know if it's enjoyable. Yeah. I think art should be challenging. Yeah. But the work that, you know, the arts, pieces of work that you have in your home, you have there because they evoke a certain emotional tone, Mm -hmm. right? An experience within you. Or they make you think about something that's important to think about. So then what's David Brooks' point? Well, well, he's saying that artists have stopped making works that teach us how to feel things. Like I felt like when I interacted with with Snap the Whip by Winslow Homer, it taught me to feel something about that era. It may be to feel something about what those boys were experiencing or something. There's something that's emotional about it. It's, it's relational, mm-hmm. right? But he's saying that artists today are, have become political provocateurs. So they're not creating relationship art. They're creating statement. statement, right? So the general attitude, he says, is let's smash injustice with a sledgehammer. Let's violently attack injustice and let that be our our artistic statement. He said there's almost a taboo against capturing a state like joy or a state like gratitude right. or a state like betrayal or forget or something hard like temptation. It doesn't all ha- or longing. It doesn't have to be that they they're all happy things. But what about longing? What about betrayal? We don't seem to see that as much as we see political statements. He goes on to say he thinks it's a lack of emotional range that we have as people. In us. In us. And again, this is a chicken or egg thing. This is what it made me think of. Have we created artists like this or our or are our artists creating people like that? He talks about this woman, um, Lisa Feldman Barrett. She's not an artist. She's actually a neuroscientist. And she talks about how we get our emotions, that emotions aren't something that's baked into our nature, like other things about our humanity, but that they're constructed by our mm, culture. Like experience. we learn how to feel, right? We learn how by art. Our music teaches us how to feel. I remember hearing Lin-Manuel Miranda in an interview just within the last year talking about how he remembers being a, a child of like three and he would hear a piece of music and it would make him cry He at three years old. And his mom told him that when he was an infant, before he could walk, she would play a piece of music and it would make him cry. Right. So there's something about him that that music was teaching him how to feel. Right. And so what are we not learning from art if it's not teaching us to feel? And and David Brooks is saying art now is teaching us what to think, not how to feel. So what to think versus how to feel. Right. Now, look, now, so this discussion, obviously, um, most people are not going to venture into museums, right? I just think that's probably true. Uh, most people get their art or their so-called art from television or the Internet. Or from Spotify, maybe. Right. And so the art that we're talking about, I'm sure 99.999% of the population doesn't engage. But that sort of art that leaks into mainstream. Yeah. And I think it tells us something about who we are. The fact that art is not relating 
those relationships visually that we can see, whether it's between a man and a woman, or it's between a parent and a child, or it's be- it's two people fighting, or whatever it is, one of the functions that art has is it shows us the difficulty of people. Working through things. Or not. Right. Right? It can be violent art, or it can be whatever. Like we talked about the, the high school in San Francisco right. that showed that there were slaves on George Washington's plantation. Cover that up. And they're going to cover it up because they think it's too offensive. And I think, no, no, no. We need to have that art because it's showing us this is what our country was like. Yeah. We can't forget. So I wonder, you know, in this internet age, that memes, we talked with... Uh, and Kennedy, about, and Kennedy about this a short while ago. That memes in some ways are artwork because there there are there's That's an image. Yeah, I can see that. There's yeah. an image and there's also an emotion that goes with the image. Right. Generally, and a lot of times in a meme, there's also a political message. Without a doubt. Right. Now sometimes there isn't. Sometimes they're they're which funny, is ridiculous, which is great. But sometimes there's a political message. But it's interesting how differently we respond to memes. Right. When they ha- when they're telling us what to think. Versus when they're teaching us how to feel. But I would say those who create memes, and I guess they run the gamut, right? Those are the artists of the day. Well, that's not, I mean, but that's not fine art. I mean, it's, it is art. I, I'm not saying I'm it's saying not art. Mass mass audiences could care wit about fine art. So they're certainly seeing more memes than they're seeing fine art. That's a good point. And I think that fine art informs memes in a backward walk. Okay, so, so let me tell you where this ends. Is that if you have an emotional bandwidth that is wide and strong hopefully that's informed by a lot of good music you've heard or a lot of good books you've read you've you've read a book that was written by a deaf person but through reading it you've you've come to an understanding more of what it would be like experience to be world. deaf you yeah. just, you experience just a tiny little bit of that but it helps you to be more compassionate or more emotional or yeah. more understanding or whatever right so hopefully your bandwidth is, is increasing what david brooks is saying and what these neuroscientists are saying is that with our contemporary art especially here in america what we're doing is we're making our emotional range smaller and more stunted so that we're not able to see the complexity in other people we're not able to see people who are different than us, and we're too eager then to pass judgment on other people because our emotional bandwidth has become really, really small. No, wait. So then now he's saying that we've ghettoized art, yep. that our own camps control the yes. imagery that are emotionally conductive to us. Right. So it sounds oh like art is becoming like our Twitter feed. Oh, my gosh. Is nothing – Is I mean, is everything up for grabs? Is that the deal? Everything now. They were all in these camps. I hope that's not true. Okay, the David Brooks piece. We can choose for ourselves to expand our emotional bandwidth, to look at beautiful things and hear them. If you're so inclined. David Brooks, who will teach us how to feel when art shrinks to the size of politics? Recent storms have done a number on Pittsburgh's homes and businesses. If you've had damage to your roof, windows, siding, or gutters and downspouts, you may be eligible to get them replaced or repaired free of charge. All you have to do is visit windowsareuspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows Are Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and of course, windows. If damage isn't your issue and you just want something new, you'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. Why pay twice as much with other companies? 
visit the area's premier exterior replacement company at windowsruspittsburgh.com. Mention Word FM for an additional 10% off at windowsruspittsburgh.com. That's windowsruspittsburgh.com. Eating, working, living pain-free. These are a few of the things many of us take for granted. Yet for many United States military veterans, finding and affording oral health care is a challenge many of us don't think about. Dental Lifeline Network is looking for dentists who can change this. DLN is asking dentists and their teams to volunteer to see one veteran with special needs one time per year. Visit willyouseeonevet.org to learn more. That's willyouseeonevet.org. So the only thing really keeping you from enrolling your children in Christian school is sports? Trinity Christian School answers that concern with boys soccer, girls volleyball, and track for boys and girls. A well-rounded Christian education with the sports opportunities you want? Now that sounds really good. Trinity Christian School, ranked among the top K-12 schools in Allegheny County at trinitychristian.net. Looking for a satisfying career helping people with disabilities? Consider Life Steps, who's served Western Pennsylvania since 1923 and offers 100% paid health, dental, and vision premiums for full-time employees. All shifts available. Make a difference and call Life Steps today at 724-283-1010 or visit lifesteps.net. That's lifesteps.net to check out available positions. Life Steps is an equal opportunity employer. Right now, there are young people across the world facing a tough choice. Continue their dream of education or drop out to help their family put food on the table. You can help change their future in a single moment. See how far your support can go at unbound.org. I love the joy that children bring to the office. Good dental habits begin early with Dr. Megan Stock. I like creating those good, positive first experiences. My mommy is a really good dentist and she'll take good care of you. Visit StockFamilyDentistry.com. You have my word on it. Soon. Students in uh, South Dakota and Kentucky will be welcomed back to school with new signs that say, In God We Trust. Lawmakers in Kentucky, they passed a law in February requiring schools to post the signs where they can be seen by all students, according to uh, uh, Kentucky News. Schools are scrambling now to get their signs made and mounted before the new school year begins. A similar law was also passed in South Dakota, where it's been somewhat controversial among residents. The Freedom From Religion Foundation has also vocally opposed the measure. In a statement, they said the law, insultingly confusing patriotism with piety, is part of the nationwide legislative push by Project Blitz, which is a stealth campaign to project religious bills into the state legislature. I'm surprised that people are going to do this. I got that. Re- re- so it's a requirement? Right, where doesn't everyone should just, see it. Doesn't that ruin it? I think it does. Yeah. I, so we so the government is now requiring schools to put up In God We Trust. That's not going to last. It's, it's not. It's not going to stand. Of course. It's just so. Any compulsion... If you're compelled by the government to do something, all of a sudden it takes the joy out of it. It takes the, you know, it's like the government's going, it's it's the classic question when it comes to 
whether you're going to give generously from your heart out of the income that you get in a year or you're going to give because the government tells you to. Exactly. It's not the same totally different. if the government's telling you right. to. So in God we trust in schools in South Dakota well, and Kentucky. Isn't, and you know what? I have, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm on the side of the Freedom From Religion Foundation because when you're mixing piety and governmental force, that has never worked out well in the history of the world. You're right, right. As much as I do despise those people. Because they're in every lawsuit in every small town in right. America across you this country. You got to give it to them on this. I they think are, they're right. They are. I mean, that's that's a well-funded organization. But yeah, you, you're pushing this. It's not. It's not good. I can, I am surprised that that passed. Me, well, I'm, I'm sure who controls the you know the state government in Kentucky and in South Dakota. That's all it is. Hey, thanks for being with us. Um, a little esoteric there. I liked it. Me too. Um, podcast is up and running. John and Kathy Show.com, about 10 minutes or so after we leave the air. Happy birthday to J.K. Rowling. JK. We didn't get a chance to talk about that. How old? 54. Very nice. Living a good life. She has produced one of my yes. favorite works of literature. In the past 20 plus years. Terrific author. Absolutely terrific author. Thanks for coming along. God willing, we'll see you tomorrow. Stays uh, nice and cool. The Ride Home with John and Kathy. A production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.